Does anyone in here really like to fly? I mean, like going on a plane, not like actually flying. Yes, everyone would love to fly. Who wouldn't love to fly? A couple of people like flying? Okay. I am not a big fan of flying. It's all right. And I'll tell you the two reasons why I'm not a big fan of it. The first one is this. And then this really makes me so mad. This is kind of a therapy session for me tonight. It's when you land and everyone's sitting in their seats and the announcer or like the stewardess says, do not get out of your seats. And what does everyone immediately do? Everyone gets out of their seats and they all start to stand in the aisle. It makes me so mad. I cannot even explain to you guys because I'm always sitting in the aisle seat, right? And so what happens now is there's some random dude sitting all up in my face. And I'm like, bro, get out of the way. And like, I'm a man of God. And if I wasn't, I would punch every boomer in the face that needs to stand up when that happens. Like, that makes me so incredibly angry. Like, I need you guys to experience this. I need someone to come up here and help me. Who can help me tonight? Landon, you're too short. You know who would be perfect? Ian. I want Ian. Ian's like perfect height. So I want to explain to you guys the pain. So I am always sitting in the aisle seat. Ian, I need to see your best boomer impersonation, right? So I'm in the aisle seat, and I'm kind of chilling here like this. And then, of course, here's this boomer. Is that me because I'm holding the mic weird? No? Okay. So it's just weird. (laughs) Boomer. Perfect. Right? And now this is just weird because we're just sitting next to each other like this. And, like, what always happens is we always make random eye contact. Yeah, just like that, right? So now I feel like I have to stand up because have you guys ever been talking to someone and you're sitting down and they're standing up? It's a very odd experience to happen, and I feel less like a man for some reason. So I immediately need to stand up. And now we're like this, and like we have to make awkward conversation, and, and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, with my family, right? And just a horrible, horrible experience. Thank you for being such a good boomer, Ian, right? Has anyone else ever experienced that besides me? Okay, right? It's the absolute worst. And then, like, the rolly backpacks come out of nowhere, right? And they're, like, running over your feet when you're trying to stand up. Oh, man, this mic really does not like us tonight. All right, so that's the first reason why I don't like flying. The second one is this, is getting delayed. Has anyone ever had a really long, long delay before? Okay, we were coming back from Seattle, and they had to reroute us to Indianapolis. Has anyone ever been to Indianapolis before? Yeah, no, it's horrible. There's nothing good about Indianapolis. I, I bet most of you guys cannot even show me on a map where Indianapolis is. Like, that's how bad it is. And we were stuck there for 10 hours. And all I wanted to do was get home. Now, what I want to talk to you guys about tonight is scheduled delays. Because in one area or another, we're all waiting on something. And when we're waiting, it can be really difficult to trust God. Some of you guys are waiting for some breakthrough in your life, for something you've been praying about for a really long time. Some of you guys are waiting to hear about that college that you applied to, and you are really hoping that you are going to get into it. Some of you are waiting for some news about someone that you love that is sick, and you're not sure what their final say is going to be or what's actually going to happen to them. And I think in one way or another, we're all waiting on something. And as I'm talking about this, I want you guys to really think about that one thing right now that you really just need God to come through for you tonight. Because in every season of my life, as I look back, I've always had something. We think we're going to arrive at a point where we're not going to be waiting on something anymore. But so much of life is waiting for that next thing to happen. And it's so important that we learn the right way to wait. I um, am a huge fan of Amazon. Does anyone else 
love Amazon. I refuse to go to stores anymore. Um, and I have this theory, and I'll tell it to you guys in just a second, but I ordered some stuff from Amazon this week, and I have Prime, so normally I get it in two days. This week, I got it all in one day, and I think Amazon is, they're up to something. I, I smell something in the water, right? And so I'm prophetic, um, prophetically speaking tonight that Amazon, in like the real near future, is going to get same-day shipping. Like, I, I feel it coming. There's something shifting in the spiritual realm that they're about to break through. And I am so excited about it because that is going to change my life. But Amazon has made me hate waiting. I hate it so much. It gets me so upset. And I think a lot of us, when we are waiting on something, we can get really angry with God. We can get so disappointed with God. It can make us feel like he doesn't care. And when you're waiting, it's so easy to feel like God is this distant God who doesn't understand what you're going through. Because some of you guys are waiting on some really big things. And others others of you guys, maybe it's a smaller thing, but some of you guys are really, really struggling. And you just need an answer. You're not sure if you can make it another day if you don't get your answer. And you just want to know that God sees you and still loves you and cares about your situation. And I want to tell you tonight, that God does see it. And the scripture that we're going to look at, I hope, is life-changing for you. And so, so many of us live in the tension of what God promised and when it actually arrives. We're, we're stuck in this moment because God has promised us so much in his word. He says that we're not going to struggle with the sin forever. And in some sense, yes, we will always do things wrong. But there are things in our life that have a hold of us that shouldn't have a hold of us in the way that they do. The more that we seek God and we get closer to him, these things should break their hold on us. But it feels like the promise isn't really here, even though God has said it. It's like not in this moment. And so you're waiting for that moment to finally happen. So how do we live in between the tension of what God has promised and when it actually arrives? It's something that a lot of people had a really hard time with in Scripture. I think about the Israelites. So many of you guys know their story. They were promised this amazing land. But for the meantime, they had to go through the desert. And the more they complained and the more they whined, the longer the waiting room got for them. And guys, I wonder sometimes if we make our waiting room visit longer than it has to be because our hearts aren't in the right place. And God wants to do something in here inside of our hearts before he brings us to that destination that we want so badly or that thing that we're crying out for. And so they wandered for a really long time. They were stuck in the waiting room of what God had promised and actually stepping into it. And I hope tonight that we learn the right way to wait because most of us complain, we grumble, we miss out on life in, the, in between because all we can think about is that Thing that we want so bad, that future that we have dreamed of, that thing that is so desperately owning our hearts. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe the promise is owning our hearts more than God is. And he will not have that. He wants to have your heart more than anything. And so our job is to control how we wait. Can you worship while you're in the waiting room? I think times in my life when I was waiting on that breakthrough for that thing to come or that answer to happen. It's so hard to worship God. It's so hard to be close to him 
in those moments. But if you can learn to still worship and seek him and have joy in the in-between, God will do so many amazing things in your life, guys. Because like I said before, so much of life is waiting between the promise and when it arrives. And this is where a lot of life is missed out on by so many people because they're so focused on what they don't have that they miss out on what God wants to do in them in this moment. So I want to teach you guys, and we're going to look at some scripture tonight that I think is so incredibly powerful and will speak to this issue of waiting in our lives. See, sometimes I think that there are scheduled delays in our lives, and we don't even realize it. Sometimes God is letting us sit in the waiting room for a little bit. And for us, it just doesn't make any sense. But he knows exactly what he's doing. We're going to be in John chapter 11. And this is what it says. In the village of Bethany, there was a man named Lazarus. And his sister Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who anointed Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. One day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. So his sister sent a message to Jesus. Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. Please come. This is one of, I think, one of the most powerful theological statements made. Because she understands something about Jesus that so many people miss. If you had one letter to write to God for breakthrough for someone that you love is sick, how would you write it? I don't think a lot of us would write it the way that this message was sent to Jesus. See, she says something so powerful. She says, Lord, my brother who you love is really sick. I think a lot of us would say, Jesus my brother who loves you so much is sick. He does everything right in his life. Why is he sick right now? Can you please come and make this right? And she understands that it will always be about Jesus' love for us. This is what Matthew Henry says about it. Our love to, to him is not even worth speaking of, but his to us can never be enough spoken of. Jesus loved Lazarus, and he was still sick. So many of us look at this story, or we look at people in our lives that are struggling or sick, and it's so easy to think that maybe God doesn't love that person. Maybe God doesn't care about them, and that's why they're in that situation. And maybe we've never even said that out loud, but we've thought it late at night, because it just didn't add up. If God is really a good God, why would he allow this to happen to someone he truly loves. And this scripture right here tells us the very opposite. And as we work through it, you're going to see just how much Jesus truly loved Lazarus. But that is so far from the truth, and we need to break that in our mind. Matthew Henry also said this, It's no new thing for those whom Christ loves to be sick. All things come alike to all. Bodily distempers correct the corruption and try the graces of God's people. Anyone who tells you guys that if you believe in Jesus, you will never be sick is a complete lie. Because Jesus loved Lazarus so much. And here he was caught up in all of this. While you're waiting, it's so important 
that you remember God loves you. You are the one he loves. Not your love for him, not all the right things that you've done lately or all the bad things you've done lately. It will always be about his passion for you. So while you are waiting, while you are in the middle of everything that you have been promised and it doesn't seem like it's arriving yet, remember that God loves you. And when you know that, it is so much easier to wait. And I think it's so easy for me to say that God loves you and those words just brush by us. We are not affected by that. I'm talking about you in the middle of all your messes, in the middle of all those wrong things that you know that you did this week. God still wants you. He still cares about you. He knew everything that you would ever do, and he still would have came for just you. That's the kind of love that I'm talking about, the love that you could never run away from. Even if you were rejecting him right now in the middle of this moment during this message, he is still crazy about you. Even if you wish you were somewhere else right now, God is seeking you, and he's brought you here for a reason and for a purpose. That's the kind of love that I mean when I say God loves you. And don't get it twisted and think it's anything but that relentless love that will seek down and find you no matter what you are going through. Let's look at this next verse, verse four. When he heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the son of God by what takes place. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Here they are. They're living between the promise that Jesus says this will not end in death and its arrival. They're stuck right now. And I don't know if they're sure exactly what to do. I'm not sure what Lazarus felt in those moments. But if I had to guess, I'm sure he was probably pretty discouraged that Jesus didn't come immediately. I'm sure the sisters were really upset right here. Why would he make us wait? Why would he stay where he is? Why wouldn't he come? Jesus, don't you see how urgent this is? He's going to die if you don't come immediately and save him. Have you ever felt like that? Like if you had to live one more day stuck in your situation, that you were going to die, that you weren't going to make it through what you were going through, and you just wanted God to see the urgency of it all? You just wanted him to care a little bit? Because I'm sure they questioned in that moment. Just like you and I do when we're stuck in the middle of what we are waiting on. And it's so easy to get discouraged when we're living between the promise and its arrival. Let's look to the next verse. Then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. It's time that I go and awaken him. When they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he has just fallen asleep, then he'll get better. Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, but the disciples presumed he was talking about natural sleep. Then Jesus made it plain to them, Lazarus is dead. Have you ever been trying to explain something to someone and they are just not getting it? Like you are just trying everything you can. You're like, look at my lips. This is what I am saying. It's like Jesus is saying that to them right here. He's like, wait, wait, guys, you don't get it. What it, he is dead, but it is like he is sleeping. Because didn't you hear what I said earlier? Did, don't you get it? Haven't you been around me long enough yet that when I said that this will not end in death, I actually 
meant it. So easy to doubt the promises of God when they're waiting. And even right here, the disciples just cannot wrap their minds around what he is truly trying to say. Because it was like he was just going to be sleeping. This is what it says in verse 15. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let's go and see him. So much of our Christian life and our faith will always be about learning to trust Jesus with everything we have. So much of what we face on a day-to-day basis is can we truly trust him with the most extreme parts of our lives. And some of us have to go through a lot of things to get there because it's not easy. I am definitely one of those people that I've been through a lot so I could fully trust God that no matter what happens, I can have full confidence in him. And so what he's saying right here is that what is going on is for your benefit and the benefit of other people so that your faith can be radically changed by what Lazarus and his sisters are experiencing right now. Sometimes when we're waiting, God is teaching us to trust him in the most difficult of moments. This waiting was meant to accomplish something. And oftentimes in our lives, God is using waiting to accomplish stuff in our hearts. I want to read to you guys this next quote. He gives them the reason why he had delayed for so long to go and see him. I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. If he had been there in enough time, he would have healed the disease and prevented his death, death which would have been much for the comfort of Lazarus's friends. But then his disciples would have not seen further proof of his power the way that they would by his death coming. And so, guys, they needed to learn this because eventually they were going to carry this word to everyone else. So they needed to have full confidence in Jesus. And God wants the same for us. He wants full confidence in him. And sometimes the waiting room is where those lessons are best learned. This is what it says in verse 16. So Thomas, nicknamed the twin, remarked to the other disciple, let's go so that we can die with him. Now, when you first read this, it looks like Thomas is the most dramatic person ever, right? He's like, let's just go so we can all just die together. Like, this is just so difficult, right? It's just being completely dramatic. <laughs> and I think Thomas kind of was like that. We kind of see moments like that throughout Scripture where he was dramatic. Let's go to verse 18. Now, when they arrived at Bethany, which was only about two miles from Jerusalem, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Many friends of Mary and Martha had come from the region to console them over the loss of their brother. And I want to just really look at this verse for a second because Jesus was only a couple of miles away. Two miles, Scripture tells us. His breakthrough was so close, but yet it probably seems so far. And I just want to tell someone in the room right now who's waiting on something. Your breakthrough is closer than you think. 
If you can just keep holding on for a little bit longer, it's only two miles away. And if you can keep trusting in that waiting room, if you can choose to worship in the middle of your storm, your breakthrough will be here before you know it. And God will accomplish so many other things in your heart if you can choose to wait and worship. It's so close. Some of you guys are right on the verge of it right now. And God's saying, just hold on a little bit longer. And it might not look the way that you wanted it to look. It might not unfold the way you wanted it to. But I promise it's the best way. Because if it wasn't the best, God wouldn't have done it. That's how he works. And it will bring faith to other people in the middle of that process. So keep holding on while you're waiting. It's closer than you think. And it was for Lazarus in this moment. This is what it says in verse 20. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, my Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. She replied, yes, I know he will rise with everyone else on resurrection day. So interesting because on one hand, she is filled with extreme faith. She says to Jesus, if you just would have been here, I know the disease would have been healed. I know everything would have been cured and he wouldn't be dead right now. But on the other hand, she doubts him and says, because now he's dead, that power doesn't mean anything anymore. She was missing the full picture. Jesus literally says to her, he is not going to die. Your brother will rise and live. And she goes, yeah, I, I know those stories, Jesus. I know that one day he will rise again. But Jesus was saying, no, no, no. Your faith is misplaced. In one sense, you do. You have radical faith that this can happen. And if I just would have been here, you think it would have happened. But now that he's dead, you think my power is limited? You think my power can't change things still? And I think that's such a good picture of us. We think it needs to happen our way and on our terms. So she was putting Jesus in a box and telling him how she thought it should have been done. And that is exactly what you and I do while we are in the waiting room. While we look at God and we say, God, this is exactly how it needs to happen. And God's going, I have something so much better. Do not limit my, your faith to just what's over here. Look at the big picture. If only you could see it the way I see it. God's power is so much greater than anything that you and I have even begun to comprehend. He can take the worst situation and turn it into the best. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how you're feeling overwhelmed but if you will stay close, if you will worship in the waiting room, God will do more. She didn't think because he was dead he could truly be healed. And maybe you think that there's something in your life that seems dead that can never come back to life. And I want to tell you tonight that God can bring the dead parts of us, the dead areas, the dead relationships, the dead feelings that we thought would never be healed back to life. Do not tell God what he can and cannot do. Because he can do more. We haven't even begun to see his power. Hold on, guys.
he can do more than what you think. Verse 25, we're going to read a couple of verses here, so you guys track with me for a second. Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection, and I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. Someone texted me. <laughs> Give me one second. Just got to pull that verse back up. Jeez, man. It's sent by the devil. <laughs> Do you believe this? Then Martha replied, Yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed one, the Son of God who has come into the world for us. Then she left and hurried off to her sister, Mary, and called her aside from all the mourners and whispered to her, The master is here, and he's asking for you. So when Mary heard this, she quickly went off to find him. For Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same spot where Martha met him. Now, when Mary's friends who were comforting her noticed how quickly she ran out of the house, they followed her, assuming she was going to the tomb of her brother to mourn. When Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would have not died. And she is completely overwhelmed with emotions. She loves Jesus on the one hand, but now Here's her brother that is in the grave. And Jesus has convinced the other sister that maybe something can happen because she says that she believes. Verse 33, when Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. And I want you guys to catch this because so many people miss this. When we suffer the heart of Jesus is moved. He's not a cold God. He's not sitting up in heaven blind to your pain. He gets it. He understands. I believe that he is deeply moved with emotion every single time one of his children is hurting. In just a moment, we're going to see that Jesus was torn apart by the death of Lazarus. He began to weep. I believe that God weeps over the painful areas of our life. He sees it, and there's empathy in his heart towards what we are going through. He is not cold. Do not buy that lie that the enemy sells or that anyone will tell you. He hurts with those who hurt. And that is exactly what he feels right now. As he looks Martha in the eye, and he can see how deep her pain is. And his heart is moved with compassion. Those areas or those times in your life when you have been crying out in pain, I want you to know that Jesus was right there with you, feeling everything that you felt, knowing that there was something that he was going to produce out of this that would be great, that would heal you if you would just lean into his love. He always feels with his children. He doesn't push us off. He doesn't act cold towards us. Right now in Northport, there is a young girl's funeral service who this church has prayed for for a really long time. And there are no answers sometimes why things like that happen in this world. But here's what I do know. I believe that Jesus is there right now. I believe that he is moved with compassion 
and he hurts with those who hurt. He's not just cold to it. He gets it. He's close. Please always know that about our Savior. He's right there with you, feeling what you feel. He hasn't left you in the middle of it. This is what it says in verse 34. He said to them, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you. They replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Seeing Jesus weep caused many of the mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. Yet others said, isn't this the one who opens blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Let's stop there for a second. There will always be people who say that God isn't doing his job right. There will always be people in your life who whisper in your ear that your faith is misplaced. Isn't he the one that heals blind eyes? Isn't he the God that does the impossible? Why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do this? And that's exactly what these people were doing right here. They were trying to discredit Jesus. They were trying to say that he wasn't who he really was. Guys, do not believe those lies when those people come around. Then Jesus, with intense motion, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Then Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days since he died, but now his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you, if you will believe in me, you will see God unveil his power. God was about to bring back to life something that everyone thought was impossible. What is that part of your life tonight? What have you given up all hope on because you feel like you've been waiting for far too long? What have other people told you is impossible about you? That's exactly what God wants to do in your life, what everyone else says he can't do. And if you will just believe, because that's exactly what he says to Martha right here. Don't you believe? Didn't you hear the words that I said? Verse 41, so they rolled away the stone. Jesus gazed into heaven and said, Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer. For you listen to every word I speak. Now, so that these things who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to earth as your messenger. I will use the power you have given me. Then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands and feet and covering his face. Jesus said to him, unwrap him and let him loose. And I think maybe that this is a little bit of foreshadowing of someone else who would rise back from the grave to make every part of us always know that there is nothing too impossible for our God. The greatest miracle that ever took place was not raising Lazarus back from the dead. It was when he said that he would come back from the dead and he actually followed through with it. If our God can bring someone back from the dead, if our God can predict that he will die and rise again, what situation do you really think is too big for him in your life? Don't you see that he knows all things and he's working things together? And when you wait, it is not in vain. Let's look at this next verse. From that day forward, many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in him, for they had seen with their own eyes this amazing miracle. But a few went back to inform the Pharisees about what Jesus 
had done. So many lives were changed. The promise was true. It just wasn't the way they thought the promise was going to unfold. Lazarus was not going to die. But God wanted to accomplish so many other things in the in-between. And I want to tell you that God wants to do a lot of stuff in you while you are in the in-between right now. While you are waiting and you feel like there is no hope, that is when God is doing his best work in you. It's in those moments where we can cling the closest to him and find real satisfaction. And know what it's like to love God, not just for what he gives us. Man, so many of us love God because he gives us good things. So very few of us love God just for who he is. And in those moments of waiting, it's not about the good things anymore. It's just about his love for us. Even when this and this and this don't happen, but we still have his love. And when that is enough for you, there is nothing that you can go through in this life that's too scary or too difficult. And that's what he wants for those of us that are close to him tonight. This delay was on schedule. God wanted to accomplish so many things. And here's tonight's bottom line. What I want you guys to get is God is working things together while we're waiting. While we're waiting. And it is so important that you guys learn to worship while you wait. To trust and let God do what he wants to do in the process. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just love God for all the blessings in my life. I want to love God, and I want to be close to him, even when things don't add up, even when things don't make sense. That's the kind of love I want. And you know what? At the end of the day, it won't even always be about my love. It will always be about his love for me, and that it's his love that keeps us in place. But let's be a church and a group that can worship while we're in the waiting room. Let me pray for you guys. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for this story of Lazarus. And I pray, God, that we would be a people, that we'd be a group who would take this seriously, God. I pray that we wouldn't just love you when there's a breakthrough. I pray that we would love you in the hard times too, Jesus, even when things don't add up. I pray that we would trust in every promise, Lord. I pray for everyone right now, God, that has been sitting in the waiting room for a really long time. And they're not sure how much longer they can wait, God. I pray, Jesus, that you would do something in their heart right now. I pray for the breakthrough that is right around the corner. For the person that feels like giving up, for walking away, for saying that I'm done with all this God stuff because it never happened the way that I wanted it to, God, I pray that you would show them how amazing you are, Lord. How good you are, Jesus, despite what our circumstances are saying, what other people are saying. Thank you that you are good through it all. If the only thing you ever did for us was rising back then, it was more than enough. Because this life is just the beginning, Lord. That there is so much more for us. That the answer was always healing, God. Either Lazarus would be healed in this life or he would be healed in the next. I pray, God, that we would know that. Pray for anyone that has just been through something, Lord. And they're just really discouraged tonight because it happened in a way that they really have a lot of pain because of the way it unfolded. God, I pray that you would heal that area of their heart. I pray that you would show them the purpose in the middle of that. We love you so much, God. We pray this all in your name.